In Habakkuk 2 verse 14, the prophet by the Holy Spirit gave prophecies that are very relevant to the times we live in today. The evils and darkness covering the earth makes it seem like there is no hope but actually there is hope. Where lies hope? Hope lies in the knowledge of the glory of God which is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Things are bound to change when Jesus is revealed and known by many. Through the platform of Pluru, God's servant Pastor Chimdi Ohahuna reveals Jesus in his teachings. Be blessed as you listen to this series, Understanding the Finished Work of Christ. Jesus, amen. I'm going to be looking at the 21st work into do we have 31 and today we'll be on 21. So we have 10 to go. So we trust God that we'll be able to do a study on this 31 works um, this year. We hope and we'll trust God. Amen. amen. So that uh, we can go on to speak at more things and work with the Lord Jesus. Amen. And so we're going to understand today our study today on that we came to bind up broken hearts. We came to bind up what? Broken hearts. Broken hearts. Amen. And our first scripture is Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord had anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. We studied on to preach good tidings unto the meek. They are sent to bind up broken hearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives, something of uh, proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison doors to them that abound. Amen to Jesus. Please be grant us revelation into your word in the name of Jesus. Now, uh, in the whole verse of scripture, we see and understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit and his anointing. Jesus speaking says, See, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me. Why does the Holy Spirit come upon a person? Why does the Holy Spirit come upon a person? Why does the Holy Spirit indwell the person? It's for one reason, it's to anoint. Are we together? Yes. It's to anoint, it's to anoint. The anointing of the Lord is what makes a man's fact. Amen. The Bible says that they are not dead child. He says, and you shall be broken because of the anointing. Another translation says, and the anointing shall make the neck fat, and it shall break you. So the anointing of God makes a man fat. The anointing is not a folly. The anointing is not a shouting. It's not a crime. It's not a um, soup, as a man of God would say. It's not just not the anointing. I get what I'm saying. So it's not a folly. It's not a crime. It's not a shouting. It's not a jumping. It's not what else again. It's not every of that. Those be expressions of the anointing, but they are not the anointing. The anointing is the fatness of the spirit in the man. Mm. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the fatness of the spirit. Now, if you see um, the promise that, uh, the blessing that Jacob, we learned that on Friday, gave to Isaac, sorry, Isaac gave to Jacob, sorry, is the blessing before the fatness of the earth. The fatness of the earth, the fatness of the earth. Now, fatness, and even when the uh, priest has, when you're supposed to um, um, offer a sacrifice in the Old Testament, there is a, there's, the fat is removed. Are we together? The fat is removed and it is it, it, it burned separately. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah, because uh, um, fat is symbolic for the anointing. That is the excess of food intake. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the anointing is the fatness of the Holy Spirit indwelling the man. It has to the abundance of the fatness that they are infants and impacts. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, this is 
the abundance of the fatness that is indwelling in man when he comes across to somebody, making the person will laugh. Are you getting what I'm saying? For another person, the fatness indwelling in man, when he has contact with somebody, the person may fall. The person may cry. The person may jump. Whatever. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are we together? But it is not the falling that is the pain. It is not the crying, the laughing, or whatever. It is the fatness that is the anointing. Those things are the effects of the anointing. Are you going to say? But the fatness is the anointing, the expansion of the Holy Spirit within. And the anointing, the Holy Spirit, when it comes upon us, the anointing us. But the anointing is developed. Are you going to say? The anointing is developed. That's why it is fatness. Fatness, when we are born, we are born with some quality of fat. Is that also? Everyone of us is born with a quality of fat. But depending on your food intake and your, your DNA, it will determine how the level of the fatness will be. And you get what I'm saying? So when we are born again, the Holy Spirit indwells us with His fatness. Now the fatness is improved upon, is developed in the place of study of the Word and prayer. And you get what I'm saying? The Bible speaking, it says that God told Moses to anoint the horns to consecrate them. And he said, whatsoever touches the horn will become holy. Now watch this very well. He anointed the horns to consecrate them, to set them apart, to make them holy. Now, the fatness that that horn carried was what? Holiness. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the effect of the fatness was what? Holiness. So anybody that touched the horn became holy. Why? Because there was a fatness of holiness in dwelling the world. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, the proof of the presence of the Holy Ghost in us is that when people encounter us, there is something that will drop from us into them. Amen. There will be a deposit in them. And that thing will be revealed by them. They will know it that something has entered. That thing that enters is the effect of the fatness of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Are you getting what I'm saying? For some, it is people will laugh. For somebody like Kajokoma, people will not stand it. There was once she was to minister in a particular place, and a hotel room was jammed. The door, the people jammed at the door. They, 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 they wanted to meet with her one on one before she got minister. They couldn't pass the door because people were ready at the door. And so they said, the only way we can reach to this is through the kitchen of the hotel. As she was passing the kitchen of the hotel, what was happening? All the cooks, boom, 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 boom. They were falling under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The fatness in her revealed itself in the slain anointing. Are you know what I'm saying? Yes. They're falling. Are you know what I'm saying? Yes. So those things are not the anointing. The fatness is the anointing. So for a major you say about them, I'm in praying, I pray, I study the word. I saw myself in front of the world and I noticed that people don't fall when I minister to them. Watch it very well. There is something that they can't be when you minister to them. Yes. See, but people don't laugh when I minister to them. They don't cry. They don't almost think they don't look happy. But check their life. The fatness in you is reflecting in their life. You may just do a thorough check and discover that because of the fatness in you, when people encounter you as they come and as they have an encounter with you, it's either for example, is it that they will behave right and their life will be right, or if they behave wrong, the hand of justice will leave them? That's the whole fact. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. 
That's your fatness. Wrong cannot stay around you. That's your fatness. When wrong comes around, shortly wrong leaves. That's your fatness. I you know what For some, the fatness is once they have an encounter with you, you must get what you get. That's the fatness. And that's the man of God that any test, he has a grace for salvation of souls. That any village that men of God go to, that nobody gets it, send him there. <laughs> men of God go there, nobody gets it, just send him there. Once he enters there, somebody, even if he's a baby, somebody must get it. Somebody must get away. That is his word, fatness. So we must understand the fatness that is at work in us. Are you not saying? Yes. The fatness of the religion. So don't try to carry on that person's fatness. Are you getting me? As you walk with God over the years, you know the you, you know the fatness for you that is designated for you. Some of us start off with other people's fatness. Are you getting me? And you when when I just I'm standing and I'm finishing and people are distant from me, I'm putting the right thing there. Ooh, right there. They are falling on the right thing. I remember I was finishing one on campus, we had a leader's meeting, and I was in a hurry. They said we were doing an anointing, um, uh, uh, anointing meeting. We were doing a meeting of the anointing, and um, they said, okay, uh, my, my president is very cheap there. He's in the US now. He you know, was a was a long time. He said, okay, after I finish, he said, let's name hands on people. I was eager waiting for Because that season of my life, 40 people, it was in my early 20s, 40 people was in empty. I was waiting, and they said, I said, I'm walking as I'm walking, she'll be walking back to power meeting her. Huh? We're about a distance from here to like, you know, from here to about that point. Huh? As we walk, as I was walking, I was just enjoying myself. The power was hitting her. Huh? As I was walking, the power was I was going to make that again. The power was after the walk, after we did it, walking and walking and quiet and very bad, I remember, boom, she could not stand up throughout the meeting. They carried her home. They carried her to the hostel. After I finished that meeting, after I slept people, the thing was having excess in me. I called two young men. I called them to the basketball court. I said, there's still excess. Let me release them. I said, yeah, prove the word, God, and shout. Prove the word, shout. I was excited and enjoyed myself. Slay them anyhow. Then I went to my to, to the home church I was attending. As I entered there, boom, mass, releasing the thing anyhow. I released it upon one of my mentees then. After releasing the thing, I, I came back and I saw the wife after and he said, Pastor, he said, Brachindi, after you lay hands on me, he said, I went to my school and I said, lay hands on one, they were falling. He said, it became that serious that I, my, when my chef touched people before, I said, wow, this is sweet. Oh. He got the point, he said, they're carrying our jacket, praying on them, poor them before. Hey, we're excited, don't funny people you left right and center. We funny them.
I saw that it was more than for me. I know what I'm saying. I saw that it was more than for me. I'm still in the low pain, my fatness. So I'm not, I'm not even as to that. I get what I'm saying. I'm still developing it. So it's a journey. You will get to a point where you finally know that this is your fatness. When you get to that point, what other people are doing doesn't matter to you. But the effects of your fatness will be seen in the people that are associating with you or under your ministry coverage. Are you what I'm saying? And so the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to what? Is to anoint us with fatness. And that fatness reflects in our life, in things that, in people around us, in things around us, it just reflects. Praise God very much. At least one fatness I know in me is that if you stay connected to the anointing of God in my life, you will teach the world. You will teach it. You will teach it. See, you will study the world. You will not know where you study. You will start studying and you will teach it. And you know what I'm saying? That's one fatness I know. I love that one very well. Amen to Jesus. Alright, so we see that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is what is to anoint. Now, Jesus needed the Holy Spirit and his anointing to carry out his ministry and his mission on earth. He needed the Holy Spirit and his anointing to carry out his mission and his mission. And without the Holy Spirit, you are dry. Have you ever seen a walking skeleton, a person that has no fat in him? Can he actually carry out pain? We know that fat is a cushion, is also is a cushion. It cushions um, the body from some kind of vibration or some kind of um, Effects and some heat that comes to the body. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, so fat is very is important for its own purpose. In fact, it gets to a point where when you go, if you have too much fat in you, when you go on dieting, after a while, your body begins to take the fat in one or it to what to glucose. Now that is why even those who go into gyming, heavy exercise, what do they do? They eat a lot. Why? Because they need so much fat. That it gets, because it gets to a point where in your course of training and exercising, your glucose gets exhausted. Your body now has to start collecting the fats to produce energy. So fat is needed for the production of energy when you know how to use it. And you get what I'm saying? Praise God forevermore. And so even Jesus knew that he needed the anointing. Amen to Jesus. He needed the anointing for his spiritual mission. This makes us understand that the Holy Spirit was not given for just personal pleasure, but for the work of the ministry. Now, that's why people who don't understand the purpose of fat in the body, they end up becoming what? Obese. And it becomes what? A health hazard. And disastrous. Fat is useful to the body. But it's, what is it meant to do? It's meant to be used to work. The body is meant to use it to work. When your body is not using the fat in you to work, you're not getting into the situation of what? Obesity. And that happens when you are pumping too much fat into the body and the body is doing little to no work. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. I, I, I was watching one of these uh, movie, Hollywood uh, uh, movie stars, and the guys, David's schedule is rigid. He wakes up at 2 a.m. and he starts exercising. Starts gym. 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Starts gym. By, I think, 5 a.m., he takes his first meal. He takes like 4 meals or 5 meals in a day. About 4 or 5 meals in a day. No more than. He takes a brunch, he takes a lunch, he takes a breakfast, he takes a morning meal, he takes an evening meal. And he has time for family. His schedule is rigid, very rigid. Now, every of the food is taking it, is putting it out. So that's why you see the fat in the form of what? Muscles. 
But when you are taking me, like you are not born in the house, there is a problem. You see, my friends, you are acting called fatness, anointing, and not what are you burning it for? What are you burning it for? If God is going to allow you to get fat the way you are desiring it, it will kill you. Yes. Uh, it will kill you. The way you are designing this anointing, if God has, because there is no work for you, you are not doing anything with it. You are lazy about the anointing. If God is going to allow you to get this anointing you are crying for, this double for the anointing of Elijah, the mantle of your father's. The, the anointing of you, if God is going to allow you to have the way you are incredible, it will kill you quick. There's no work. Jesus needed it. Why? Because he was working. That is what about work. Doing good and living all those were prayed for God until 24 7 he was working out. He was working out. He was using the fatness in him. The anointing of the Holy was releasing it. To the extent that he has to marry his friend. But today we have a generation of Christians. Only the anointing, but they don't know what they don't know what they don't know what to use it for. Number two, they are not ready to use it for anything. The anointing, the fatness is given for work, not for personal benefit. Look at anybody who just says eats to get fat, just to look fat and fine. After a while, that fatness will become a problem to the reason also. Initially, you're looking like men and guys are looking cool. Ah, you're looking good, man. See your, see your, see your size. You see, it's a goodness of the Lord. I'm, 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 I'm fresh, I'm fresh. I'm a little less of a I'm one food. Amen. And the Lord is taking care of us. God is faithful. You are getting fat. Oh, you are putting up weight. Amen. I'll tell you why. Nobody will tell you. We sat there and said, This is a study program. It's a program. It's a program. It's a program. Because he's not, he's using it for show, not for work. Yes. When you see the anointing for show, not for work. It will become disastrous to you if at all you receive it. But if it's for work, you don't even need to pray for it. They will pray for the anointing to pray for long hours. There's work. So we don't know when we start praying for long hours. <laughs> we are praying at everything. There's work. When we go about the fast, our body is ready for the fast. Why? Because in the space of two months, it has to have there. So it's looking for how to burn the excess fat. It does. So what's going on in the body? What is happening? The body is happening here. Let us burn out some of the fat. That's what we don't pray. You don't actually pray for anointing. I remember once I was attending a pastor and I said, pray for the anointing. By experience in which I don't understand, you don't pray for the anointing. The demands of work, you call the anointing. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Wait, no See, the athletes, the young, the, 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 the um, Hollywood star that said, it's like how many meals to eat. It is the demands of his workout that is calling for the world, food. After he work out, the body will tell his young man, fret back. He will go and fret back. Is that also? Yeah. And then he comes and work out again. Well, when there is the demand of work on you, no problem. I'm not too weak. I'm not too weak by force. Because when you are finished teaching out in, in preaching the word, ministering the anointing of God in the you will know what you will tell you. Yourself, you feel that man, I need more. You go and study. You go and pray. Amen to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. So the anointing is not given for personal pleasure. It's given for what? Work. 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 It's given for what? Work. 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 Work.
Yes, we are embarking on the um, harvest prayer HPH. And uh, we are trusting God after harvest the Lord will add more opportunities for us to pray and more opportunities for us to preach. Because we are regarding the anointing, we need to be revisiting it so we can be friendly. And you get what I'm saying? Yes. Alright. Now in this lesson, we will learn one of the work Jesus accomplished empowered by the Holy Spirit, which is he came to buy our broken hearts, which he did, he actually did it. Now in a bit to get understanding of this subject, we answer the question below. Number one, what is a broken heart? Number two, who is a broken-hearted person? Number three, what produces a broken heart? Number four, how did Jesus buy God a broken heart? So answer this question to people. I'm not going to be, this is not a long teaching by the grace of God, so let's answer it briefly. I will pray as the Lord will help us pray. So now what is a broken heart? Um, the phrase broken-hearted is made up of two words in the Hebrew. They are what? Broken and hearted. Broken and what? Hearted. So it's two words. Broken and hearted. So um, we are going to be taking the by the grace of God one after the other. Now the word broken is the um, is the is the Hebrew word shabbat. Shabbat. And shabbat means to break, to break in pieces, to break or break down, to rend violently, to wreck, to crush, to wedge what's available, to rupture. To be broken, to be mean, to be crippled. It means to shatter. It means to break out. Amen to Jesus. Amen. Are we together? And the word heart is uh, actually from the uh, Hebrew word heart. The Hebrew word for heart is used for the word heart here. And because uh, you can't get actually the word heart in Hebrew. So it's the word heart. So actually, the word broken heart is actually meant to be the broken heart. Amen. And that's the word leg, leap, leap. And leap means inner mind, mind, will, heart, understanding, inner part, the middle point, the midst of a man or a thing. It means the soul. It means the knowledge, the thinking, the reflection, the memory. It means the inclination, it means resolution, it means the determination of will, it means the conscience. It means moral character. It means the seat of emotions and passions. It means the seat of what courage. Are we together? Amen. So now what is a broken heart? A broken heart is number one, an inner man that has been raped violently. Raped, crushed, quenched, ruptured, maimed, crippled. And shattered. And you know what that was? Red family. Red, crushed, quenched, ruptured, made, crippled, and what? Shattered. Number two, a broken heart is a mind that has been red family, red, crushed, quenched, ruptured, made, crippled, and shattered. Number three, a broken heart is a weed. That has been raped violently, wrecked, crushed, quenched, ruptured, made, crippled, and shattered. Number four, a broken heart is a seat of appetite that has been raped violently, wrecked, crushed, quenched, ruptured, made, crippled, and shattered. Number five, a broken heart is a seat of emotion and passions, emotions and passions. 
that have been raised violently, wrecked, crushed, quenched, ruptured, made, crippled, and shattered. Number six, a broken heart is a seat of courage that have been raised violently, wrecked, crushed, quenched, ruptured, made, crippled, and what? Shattered. Number seven, a seat that have been a broken heart is a soul that has been rent violently, wrecked, crushed, quenched, ruptured, made, crippled, and shattered. And number eight, a broken heart is a heart that is to say a moral character that has been rent violently, wrecked, crushed, quenched, ruptured. Made, crippled, and shattered. And finally, a broken heart is a heart, is a center, is a center, a mist, a center of a person, a center of a, of a being that has been what? Foundedly raped, raped, crushed, quenched, ruptured, laid, crippled, and shattered. So these nine things are what? What a broken heart is. An inner man that has experienced all these things, a mind that has experienced all these things, a will that has experienced all these things, a seat of appetite that has experienced all these things, a seat of emotions and passion that has experienced all these things, a seat of courage that has experienced all these things, a soul that has experienced all these things, a heart that has experienced all these things, and it's a center, a mist of a person. And the experience of this is that anybody, you see, see, these are not beautiful words. Are they beautiful words? Wrecked, violently, wrecked, crushed, quenched, ruptured, laid, crippled, shattered. These are not sweet words. So, when we talk about a broken heart, we're talking about the gravity of these words being the reality of the person. Are you know what I'm saying? The gravity of these words being the reality of the person. So, who is the broken hearted person? A broken attendance is one who is experiencing all, all or some of the above. Or who has experienced all, all or some of the above. So anybody who is experiencing this thing is broken attendance. Anybody who has experienced these things is broken attendance. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not a palatable situation. Most of the time when you relate with people, you don't relate with them. We, they are, they want, they are, you don't relate to them with their actions and reactions. You try to relate to them with their hearts. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. Because when you relate to them with their hearts, you actually know who the person is. Some of the time, broken hearted people are very strong on the inside, on the outside. But they are destroyed on the inside. Some of the time, broken hearted people are taking broken heartedness as their way of life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They have become their way of life because they must put through life. But when you look into their heart, you see that this person is actually shut out. Most of the time, it's people with bad attitudes that lack character. Don't judge them quickly. 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 The reason is that 
They are the way they are because their heart has been broken. Don't talk your people. I was listening to someone late yesterday night and listening to the guy's story. He's actually um, a, a, a political leader and actually he has a, he has a bad mouth. A bad mouth. He's, he, his mouth is not actually very seasoned. It's not seasoned. But when I began to listen to the man's story of what he has been through in life, I don't justify his wrong choice of words more often than not. But I understand a little where it's coming from. Are you getting what I'm saying? I don't justify this character. I don't just because no matter how broken you are, you should not allow your broken past determine your present. Are you getting what I'm saying? You must, as much as possible, put yourself together because life, nothing in life is permanent. What you went through in the past is past. You are not your past. You are who God says you are. So if you, based on your past, find tune your life and become um, sarcastic, arrogant, and uh, and, um, and lose in your speeches, it means that you are not being able to live past your past. It means you are still broken. That's why we have a lot of time broken millionaires. What you need to succeed is in, in finances, is what? The principles of money. That's what you need. In quotes, we also understand the principles of financial integrity, financial discipline, financial stewardship. Even if you have lack character, you will succeed financially. Are you not saying? You will succeed. So a lot of people, you see, a lot of people who are financial giants, some, some people are financial and not all, you discover that they are financially they are, they are financially successful because you understand the principle of financial integrity, financial diligence, um, financial stewardship, but they use those principles at the expense of what character. So in the process of building those principles, most of them became very broken-hearted. They were so broken and shattered. They were so broken and broken and broken and broken and broken. And they were managing their brokenness, not putting themselves together. Why? Because the pursuit of financial success, not life success. So, being that the pursuit of financial success, they didn't mind getting broken just to attain financial success. And when they attained it, they got their fulfillment in life. But they were not still whole. So when you look at their attitude, you discover that there's an attitude of what? Character deficiency, but financial success. Same thing you see some people successful in their business, but they are married to sell. Why? Because the pursuit was what? Business. And what you need in business is business integrity, business um, uh, uh, commitment to your business, um, 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 loyalty to your business, and Every of those principles, once you put them in place, you are good to go. You will succeed in business. But in the end of succeeding in business, you are failing in family. And I hear what I'm saying. That's why the, 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 the admonition um, of Joshua Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it did not talk about success. It talked about what? Good success. Why? Because it means that there is good success and there is what? Bad success. This book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mind. For thou shalt meditate upon the day and night. For then you shall not observe to do all that is written in, and then you shall not make thy way prosperous and have good success. Making your way prosperous culminates in what? Good success. 
It is possible to make your way prosperous and still have bad success. Are you getting what I'm saying? People look at you and they say this guy is very successful in his business. But when they get to his family, there's a great area there. That's a noble area. When they get into his character, there's a noble area. You know what I'm saying? And this is a challenge we're having a lot of times in the world today. Even among Christians, we have Christians who are good in one area, but the other areas are great areas that should not be assessed. Why? Check it. They are pro good. You know what I'm saying? They are pro good. And God does not want us to be too God wants us to live whole and complete. That's what the Bible says. We are complete in Him, who is the head of all principalities and power. So God's desire for us is completeness, not brokenness. But then oftentimes we are so good at pursuing our desires that we pursue it, forgetting that we have to be complete. Are you getting what I'm saying? So we go ahead pursuing our goals and live broken lives. When we have achieved the goal, we are more broken than we were before we started our pursuits. So you look at the life, you see so much brokenness. I get what I'm saying. So you have brokenness and somebody who's experiencing or has experienced every of these. Now, what produces a broken heart? What produces a broken heart? The simple experiences of life over time produce a broken heart. Everyone is born with a whole heart, but the experiences break our heart over time. Yeah. Everyone is born with what? A whole heart. When experiences do what? They break our heart. Experiences keep breaking, keep breaking, keep breaking, keep breaking, keep breaking our heart. So you see, um, one of the problems that we have most of the times in life is that we are more judgmental than analytical. I even what I'm saying. Yes. Most of one of the problems human beings have is that we are more judgmental than analytical. In fact, most of our that's why there's something called constructive criticism and criticism. Most of the times our criticisms are not constructive, they are just judgmental. I even what I'm saying. Because a constructive criticism comes out of a world, out of an analytical heart. A heart and a mind that has analyzed the other party thoroughly. Most of the times, if you analyze people well, you will, you will love them. You love them all. Are you not saying? Yes. If you analyze people, you will love them all. When I listen to that person, yes, I don't like his character. I don't like his loose mouth. But my opinion about him changed a little, just a little. Are you not saying? Yeah. And you see, another thing to know that you people can never analyze you until you open up. Uh, December for you, 
There's something in my life that needs to be worked on. I work on myself. If you think you're my problem, I would rather focus on myself. You think you're my problem, no, you're not. I am my problem. So I would rather develop myself. And since, since everybody is thinking that let me develop myself, you know that I don't want to come out open to, to the person you want to have a relationship with you. You will keep living in your mess. While the other party keeps developing himself. Very soon you discover that the person is far ahead of you and you have people say, eh, that, 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 that man is in this movie, he's a very selfish person. He doesn't even try to help. No! You will not try to help yourself. That's why he couldn't even help you. We are all trying to help ourselves as individuals. I need help. You need help. We all need help. But if I must help you, you must come out playing. If you are going to live in like one of the things I notice uh, is when I saw people who become. At the point, the pastor said, Man, when this people tell you the sun is shining, wait to the Lord ourselves. Go outside and look first, look at the sky to be sure. We saw lies at his feet, and we're like, What is the problem? You want to tell you something about themselves, watch it. Give it two months. You will hear another story. Before you know, you hear different stories coming. So you can't even be able to pick this. And then begin to ask, Who is this person? He will tell you something about himself. When you get to his house, the wife will tell you something entirely. The children have another story to say. The friends have something else. What is the problem? Who are you? Who are you? And that is a proof of broken people. They have lost their identity. So they always have to lie to portray their identity. Yeah. That's a proof of broken people. But a proper person who can come out sincere and tell you this is who I am. The truth is that what you do to such a person is that you love the person. You don't you don't you don't talk about that person. You love the person. You love that. And you know what I'm saying? You love the person. You love the person. You love the person. You love the person. So the experiences of life break our hearts. We are born with whole hearts, but life experiences bigger, and it's part of life. It is part. See, you cannot live life and not go through life and life go through. It's not possible. It's not possible. None of us want to live life. See, when you cage yourself in the world of your, you are trying to say, I don't want to go through life, but I don't want life to go through me. It's better it does that. You must go through life, and life must go through you. These experiences form the whole man. Experience are not meant to actually break us, they are actually meant to form us. But most of the time, the irresponsible response to experiences is to get broken. Yeah. Are you know what I'm saying? The irresponsible response to experiences is to get broken. But the responsible response to experience is to get formed. It's to form your character right there. The purpose of experience is to give us wisdom, is that also? Not to break us for that. That's why they say never make any decision based on the temporary situation. Hey, because of what they did to me, I will never, you are just breaking yourself. You are getting broken. I did not say. I was talking to somebody, and when I told him, I said, when I came to this uh, mission field, the set of people that met me were these tribe people. I said, don't put them in the care. I've met quite two of them that have told me that I've met the third one and I'm like, why do you want just meet me? The first thing that met me, they were a bunch of devils. The first person that met me here yeah, was on the tribe. 
Then they gathered themselves to and they were troubled and devils to me. I had to pray them and I said, Why do you want to me? But when I relate with them, one of them said, Now, they are still good ones. And I said, I, I, they, they, I can you remember before they said, Transgeneration. 
That's why experiences not determine us. The word of God determines us. We must take our life on the grounds of the word of God and analyze experiences from the word of God. If the experiences do not go with the word of God, then we do not allow them to lead us. Even if they did not, experiences will never change. What has happened to you will not change. But you can change. I do not say Experiences do not change, but we can change. So when experiences have happened, they cannot be unhappened. They cannot change. But you as an individual, you can change your opinion using the word of God. Are we together? Yes. Alright. So experiences produce what broken hearts. And as long as you live in life, you have experiences. That means your heart must be broken from time to time. Yeah. Must be broken. But is you have a choice to either remain broken or to become whole. And you know what I'm saying? And let me tell you something, stop looking for people to pity for you. Everybody is looking for who to pity for you. <laughs> don't do a pity party for yourself. Now it's good to talk with your experiences, but just know what to do was bring some fight any experiences. You must bring you must take responsibility. Why? Because the person you are telling your experience also has his experience. Remember when a young man was a young man beat me and he was talking to me. He felt I don't have a problem. So he was talking to me and talking to me, talking to me. After I knew talking to me, I now waited for the fish. Then I started telling him on problem. When I finished telling him on problem, he kept quiet. Are you gonna say? What if you are the only person who has had bad experiences? The person you are thinking that his life is so slow because he has chosen to be responsible. You will be surprised that his experiences are worse than us. But he has chosen to praise up in life. And you know what I'm saying? You cannot remove experiences from life. You cannot stop your heart from being broken. But you can stop it from remaining broken. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You trust people. You trust people. I was thinking this morning, I remember what the man said. What step that he took. And that was, he said, that step he took as a businessman, you have to take that step so that when you lose, you can fall back on that and then get back up again. And it's like, wow, thank you, Lord. That was the decision he made. Was it not 2017? And it was even pastor who made that decision. She was just making it. Decision. And my, me, my point is that, you see, any good decision, I follow. Whether I like it or not, I follow. I'm a very good follower. For Sometimes she even knows I'm a very good follower. I can follow. And nobody gets it. I remember the decision that she made that I fought. And then I saw the time that it was it was a good decision. She traveled to the US and she bought some pots. And I was like, why are you spending on the prime pot? <laughs> and it was a it was a serious uh, you know argument and uh, but after after that I forgot about the matter and that pot we used that we used that pot for many years. We are still the pot Alright, we can go for the pot. Uh, so and um, uh, we thank God for that decision. So when she said the decision to make that decision in 2017, for me that decision was very nice because I like that aspect. I like that fact. I have an obsession with that thing. And the point is, I think this year's left pregnancy for help me with this obsession. Because the beginning is getting too much. I like acquiring it. I like acquiring it. I don't know why. You know so when she was acquiring it, hey, even for me, when, they, when we had to sell some, it was paying me. But I had to do some serious analysis so that it was to my benefit that we sold this one. That we sold, you know what I'm saying? So when I saw that man said that, I said, wow, what a business wisdom that my wife had that I didn't even know. And, and this is a businessman, a businessman telling me, saying this kind of thing, after many years, 
17 months and we do one half four years. I discovered that I took a wisdom, we took a wisdom step that what business is it? That's why you need the Holy Spirit. You think everything you read it in book? No. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads you to do what the successful people do. And after he has led, you will not discover that it is in somebody's book already. Somebody in about it. I remember when I took Parable of God by Pastor my father's copy, but my father that had that book, I took it, I read it, and I kept it. And one of the sins I committed against my father. And my mother, I took it, I kept it, and it one of the sins I committed against my father. Alright, I'm sorry, and I have to take those books and read them. Now, when I was reading Parable of God, do you know what I saw? I saw all the principles that Samadhi was writing is what my father had been practicing. So, in other words, what did my father read? That he was practicing his financial principles. When he put the delivery, that he was practicing, everything he was writing, my father was practicing. I said, I don't know what he did. My father was doing this. My father was doing this. So, I can imagine when he was reading the book there, he was like, old news. Okay, old information. Okay. If you read the book, if it, because it's money book, when it's money book, my father will read. When he put that book, he was saying, old information. I finished practicing. If I did have been my character, it's not going to be my character for about 40 years. Old information. So when I picked it and I saw that he underlined something, I said, What is this man underlined? I was born to know you do all these things and he's still here. I said, You know, these people, the Holy Spirit, can make you make some decisions that wise men make. Later on, you notice that this was a decision that was a principle of success that you never knew the Holy Spirit that led you to. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting me? Praise God for the Lord. Hallelujah. So that's one of the things. Experiences will take you through some decisions. And when she made that decision, I later discovered yesterday that that decision was a financial principle that she was applying. And I didn't know. I'm like, wow, thumbs up to her wisdom. Amen. And I was like, thank you, Lord. And so that's why some of the times, when it comes to financial decisions, I started accounting. She's doing a master's. In accounting, in later on accounting, not, not primary accounting. I think accounting, but there are a lot of financial decisions, and now I make them. Why? Because, you see, yes, I have the spirit, but when God gives you somebody who's also financially prudent and has the spirit, I think it's a leverage for you so you can do other important things. Are we together? Now, so these experiences, sometimes we don't know that they are making us. When we're doing those steps, then, so when we make, after, after we do these steps, somebody frowns and says, What is the meaning of that? Well, what is that? What is that? Somebody frowns. But when the person saw the steps we took, the person was like, Wow, this is nice. This is nice. Then, four years after, when the person saw the result of the step, the person said, Congratulations. You know what I'm saying? So that's why even my experiences now in ministry is building up to something. I don't get angry with my experiences. I don't know what is building up, but in the shortest space of time, this seemingly brokenness will create a wholeness. And you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, so we must embrace brokenness, broken heartedness. They are part of life. Your heart will be broken. And broken and broken. As Bishop Black said, he said, as a pastor, your heart will be broken many times. <laughs> you will be ready for heartbreak. Your heart is so brave. That is what brings about the enlargement of your heart as a man of God. You will break the patch. When you patch, you have to add some clothes to patch. 
So you have some more flesh in your heart, you patch it, it increase, the size of the <laughs> The more it breaks, the more it becomes <laughs> And then you get the point where your laugh is so big. But when they say, ah, this man has a bigger, you know the reason for the bigger, but look at that, you see a lot of stitches. <laughs> That's why he has a very big. He has taken the word of God and merged the brokenness and stitched it with prayer. He, another prayer again comes, take what was when you look at the earth, you see the nature of the world and flesh, the world and flesh and prayers. That's what brings about the enlargement of your heart as a man of God, even as a human being. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You take when the heart is broken, you take the word of God. It's what glues, it's what patches them together. And then when the word of God does not just patch it in, you put the word of God in between the two broken places. Because once the heart breaks, the word of God, you put it in between two. You now use prayers to glue them, to sew them, to patch the word of God with your heart. When you have a heartbreak, okay, you take scripture again, you put it in between those two places. You sow with prayer, the thing is enlarging. And then you now say, this guy is full of the world and he's full of prayer. Do you want to be full of the world and prayer? Get ready for many happiness. Amen. Amen. Now, how does Jesus mend the broken heart? The broken heart, finishing this now. Number one, by ending the cause and reversing the result of broken hearts, like he did for the widow of Nain. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 to 16, we see that story. It says, and it came to pass that uh, the day after, that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now, when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man coming out. The only son of his mother, she was a widow, and one people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bear, and they that bear him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him unto his mother. And then came his fear and awe, and they glorified God, saying that the great prophet is risen up among us, and that God had visited his people. What was the cause of the mother's heartbreak now? It was the death of her son. She was ready to be with her father, her husband had died, the only person that was left with her, and the seemingly breadwinner dead for her, died. That was the cause of her serious heartbreak. When Jesus came into the situation, what did he do? He didn't give her a pep talk. He didn't motivate her. He didn't encourage her. What did he do? He solved the cause of the heartbreak. What did he do? He solved the cause of the heartbreak and he reversed the, the, the situation it had created. What was the cause of the heartbreak? Death of the soul. What was the situation it had created? An emptiness and a void because of the absence of the soul. So what did he do? Cause, stop, stop the cause of, of the heartbreak which was death. And then reverse the situation which was not empty. When the boy was raised back to life, she was no longer what a lonely widow. She now had a what a son. So how does Jesus? How does Jesus uh, 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 make the broken heart? He ends the cause of the broken heart and does what reverses the result of the broken heart. So now there are situations in your life that are causing your heart to break from time to time. What are you meant to do? You are meant to go to Jesus for him to end the cause of that continuous broken heart. And you get what I'm saying? Yeah. There is a reason for the man who says that picture shall not rise upward the second time. If you rose up the second time, it was because you didn't go to Jesus the first time it happened. If you went to Jesus the first time it happened, it would have not risen the second time. 
So what do you do? When it happens the first time, please, in wisdom, come to Jesus the first time. Jesus, end the cause of this outbreak. End it. And you know what? We gladly end it. And then you tell him, reverse the result of this outbreak. And we gladly will reverse it. Now, let me help you understand something. The woman, her husband, died. It broke her heart. It shattered her heart. Are you getting what I'm saying? But there was no Jesus there for her to call on. So what happened? She took it in good faith. Now, maybe the, the husband died maybe 30 years ago, sir, or 35 years ago, before Jesus was physically born. And you know what I'm saying? There was no prophet to resurrect her husband back for her. So she took it in good faith. Now the son died. And Jesus knew that this woman, affliction has risen up a second time. It is not meant to be so. So what did Jesus do? Even if she doesn't call me, I will invite myself. Mm. On this matter, I will if the son dies, she's doomed. There's nothing left again for her. So what did Jesus do? He invited himself. And he ended the cause of her heartbreaks. And also did what? Reverse the results of her break. When your heart has been broken once, quickly go to Jesus. But eventually, you don't know this, you don't know this truth before. Your heart is broken the second time, go to Jesus. Lord, end the cause of this break. End it. And reverse the results. Reverse the results. And Jesus will gladly do Why? Because he came, he comes with the fatness to do what? To end what? Heartbreaks. The cause, he ends it, delivers. The result reverses it. That's what it's anointed for. And that's why we as Christians, we have to do this very often. We have to do it. We have to do it. We have to do it. If you don't wait for it, what will be I had experience in ministry in my first ministry location. I had similar experience in my second ministry location. If then the similar experience came up in my third ministry location, but I said, now nah, this one, if I allow it grow the way it grew in my first and second, Man, it will destroy me finally. So what did I do? To Jesus. End this course. Yeah. Reverse this result. And Jesus did it. Are you know what I'm saying? Yes. Everyone of us has to do this. Everyone to be living broken life. You may be succeeding financially, but you'll be broken in one aspect or another. And God does not want to be broken in any aspect. The word shalom means actually is the Hebrew word for peace, but it actually means the best way to explain it is what nothing we see. And nothing broken. Prosperity. Nothing missing. Prosperity. Spirit, soul, and body. Nothing missing. And nothing. That is God's desire for us. Amen to Jesus. Amen. Number two, how does Jesus mend broken hearts? By, by dying of a ruptured heart. He mended broken hearts to die. John 19, verse 31 says, But one of the soldiers with despair pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. Why did God and water come out of Jesus' side? It, it came out of his side because he died of what? A ruptured heart. Praise God for your Lord. Now, so the heart had a ruptured. And you know what flows into the heart is what? Blood and water. Blood vessels, water. That's what flows through the heart. For you to keep walking. Is that not so? Blood and water. So, in the pressure of the crown of the tongues on his head was so heavy. And now, the pressure of Gassaman number one, that one is expected blood. He hemorrhaged because it said that 
and scientifically that what happened was that the mental pressure you went through, no mortal man has ever gone through that mental pressure. And no mortal man can actually get to that mental pressure. The pressure of dying was so heavy on him mentally that it made his, 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 his um, epidemics open. It opened wider than normal. His death is, sorry, epidemic is on top, death is on that. His epidemic is open, his epidemic is sweat poor, and then the death is open wider than normal. The pressure was too much. That could not manage. But right, when there's pressure on your body, what happens is that your death is open, epidemic and death is open normally for sweat to come out. Is that not so? Now, that's what happens when you're working out, when you're doing any exercise, any, any physical work, uh, workout, uh, and there's pressure on your body and your mind. It's, it tells you that there's pressure by work by opening the pores of the skin so that sweat can come out. But now, this pressure was not work pressure. It was not workout pressure. It was death pressure. So what it is, and that death pressure is the highest, not just death pressure, but death for the whole work pressure. Carrying is not going to so much on him that he's Epidemics and devils could not manage the, 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 the pressure of sweat again. The sweat now could not so manage the that blood could have the Lord find its way through the pores of his skin. Science makes us understand that no man has ever would ever go through that kind of pressure. The skin could not manage the pressure. They broke loose. He didn't get injured. I get what I'm saying. It was the sweat pores that broke loose for blood to come out. That pressure was on his mind and on his heart. I get what I'm saying. Now, further pressure came on his heart when he scorched him. And then when he hung on the cross, the final pressure came on his heart. When it came on his heart, what happened? His heart broke church. He had what is called a broken heart. You remember we said a broken heart is a mind, is a, a, a heart, a, a seat of appetite that is what that had rent found and it was his heart was rent found and be. It was wrecked. His heart was wrecked. His heart was crushed. His heart was what? Ruptured. 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 So on the cross, because of the build-up of pressure from Gethsemane, his heart was wrecked violently. His heart was crushed. His heart was the best form of it was ruptured. And when it ruptured, what happened? Blood and water flowed and filled his side. Are you know what I'm saying? Yes. Now, when somebody has a brain injury, there becomes a problem. What is the problem? When it has a brain injury and what water begins to flow into the spring and blood begins to flow into the spring, then there's a problem. When you hang someone upside down, what is the problem with the hanging upside down? When it stays for longer than the pressure that is left to stay, what happens? The more pressure begins to build on the person's head. Why? Because blood is not flowing rightly now. Blood is not flowing well downwards into the air. And it begins to build pressure again. Then what does you see the veins begin to swell? Why? The head is beginning to carry too much pressure. And it causes brain damage. When blood flows into brain, what happens? Brain damage comes. When the heart of Jesus ruptured, it caused about a, a flow of the blood that was meant to be in his heart. It ran out of his body side. And what water that was meant to be walking in his heart also, they ran out of his side. So there was a ruptured heart and a what? 
a swollen side. His side was already heavy. Why did the man with his pain come and pierce his side? I cannot say. No matter you check your hotel, but you must have noticed something. That side was looking heavy. Bible says he pierced it. What happened? Blood and water came out. His heart was punctured. And the whole blood that was remaining, he had, he had given something in Samaria. <laughs> he said he shared his blood with the blood. No, it's not the cross he shared the blood. He said he shared it from Gethsemane. <laughs> he had given something in Gethsemane. When he was called, he gave a good quantity. While he was carrying the cross, he was not giving quantities. So what happened on the cross was the remaining that was left built up in the heart and ruptured the heart. And it was hanging on the side. And you know what I'm saying? Yes. So, there are two things that actually medically killed Jesus. Loss of blood and ruptured heart. And you know what I'm saying? Yes. Loss of blood and ruptured heart. Those are the two things that actually let the weight that Jesus died. Now Jesus died as our substitute, not for sinable, but also for our hearts. Yes. yes. He also died for our hearts. He took our place by dying of a broken heart, of a ruptured heart. And by so doing, prevents us from having what? Broken hearts. And in the event of us having a broken heart, his broken heart gives us no right to live with a broken heart. And you know what I'm saying? With a broken heart. Just when we seem to have a broken heart, we must enforce the truth that Jesus had a broken heart for us so that we will not have broken hearts. When it looks like you cannot mend the heart back again, it looks like you are trying to use scriptures. You are carrying scriptures as the patching materials and then carrying the prayers as the thread to part. And it looks like it's not working. What you do? You enforce the broken heart of Jesus. You have to force it. Jesus, your heart was ruptured. So I cannot live with a ruptured heart. The devil wants me to live with a ruptured heart, but it's not my life, my lot. Your heart was ruptured, so I cannot live with a ruptured heart. Jesus, I enforce you. As you begin to enforce this broken heart, that brokenness in your heart begins to mend. Yes, 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 yes. Then the word of God you have been trying to use and the prayer you have been trying to use that looks like it's not working. Why? Because the broken heart of Jesus had 
enforcer only makes your heart stronger. How many of us go to enforce the broken heart of Jesus this morning? And here in your life, when you are breaking, when your heart is breaking, you want to enforce the broken heart of Jesus. Jesus, my heart cannot be broken in this area. No, 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 no I refuse. Yes, because your heart was ruptured, my heart cannot be ruptured. In my finances, my heart cannot be ruptured. In my relationship, my heart cannot be ruptured. In my family, my heart cannot be ruptured. In my ministry, my heart cannot be ruptured. In my business, my heart cannot be ruptured. Amen. He says you will begin to walk in a level of 
of love that even you cannot understand. Yeah. And people cannot understand. He says, as you trust me, you begin to reveal my love in such a way that people will be, will be, will be, will be feeling, feeling um, um, guilty when you show them love. He mm. says, you will show love without expecting return. And yet, nobody can hurt you. He says, I want to lavish my heart into your heart. So trust me. He says, the Spirit of God. Trust me, see the Spirit of God. There's somebody you are doing, you are, you are doing five different businesses, you are venturing to them. You have lost money. You have lost money. They are feeling like giving up on business now. You have lost money. Serious money. Serious money. Serious money. To the tunes of millions. Serious money. You have lost money. Lost money. Uh, the Lord will help me tell you, take a pause and spend time with me. He says, take a pause. He said, don't give up yet on business. The Lord says, I tell you, I still want you in business. The Lord says, he is the one who wants you. It's not that you want to business now. He says, he wants you in business. He said, because there is a purpose for you in business that is attached to his, to the key, to his kingdom. There's a purpose in business that's attached to his kingdom. He says, I want to raise any time businessmen who will be able to keep the kingdom of God in space on earth. It's an emotion. I want to raise any time businessmen who will keep the kingdom of God in space on earth. And this businessman will enter every facet, every mountain, the media, they will enter every mountain, they will enter every mountain, and they will keep the kingdom of God in space on earth. They will actually establish the kingdom of God on earth with their businesses. And the Lord's coming to say, you are one of them. And allow those heartbreaks, five different businesses, you lost millions. He said, but I'll restore you by myself. He said, but give it a little space. Come and spend time with me. He says, as you spend time with me, I will tell you, you will not see, it's not a trend error. I will tell you clearly the area of business ended. And hear me very He says, it's an area you have never dealt into. You know little to nothing about it. He says, but I, the only, the only saint God, I will tell you the area and I will give you the necessary information. He said, I will lead you to the materials you need to consume. I'm talking about an equal satellite. He's a good right, right, to the glory of God to consider matter and the honor of him to set it up. I'm talking about healing wisdom of ages that have been concealed in the schools of time. Kalusatam. The Yahweh says, as you tell him, he will lead you to the hidden wisdom of ages and have been concealed in the schools of time. And you will unravel them and discover hidden wisdom. And he says, you will operate in this wisdom and you will establish my kingdom on earth through business, say the spirit of the Lord. He says, for what I need is your attention now. He said, the reason why I allow your heart to be broken these five times is because you have been doing things I don't want you to do. And he said, I will not form what is not mine, and I will not support what is not my vision. He says, I have my vision for you, and I want to give it to you. He said, you will get it in the place of fellowship with me. Come to me, and I will give it to you. Save the spirit of the Lord. Save the spirit of the Lord. There's a particular lady, it has been breakups upon breakups, breakups upon breakups. They come in and they look serious, but after a while, this one is not a spiritual issue. It's not like any ancestral cause is working against you forever. Uh, the Lord will have to tell you, you have been too much in your body to enter relationships. 
Pastor Dr. Let me tell you. Lord, let me tell you. Yes, you are not getting any younger. Yes, he knows. Yes, that when you are about 10 million, that when you are seeing yours, you are just seeing in your mind, but I'm not getting any younger. See, the Lord says, I tell he knows. The Lord says, take your time with me. Give me time. Let's give you a little time. The Lord says, I'm packaging you. He says, the reason why it has taken much time is because every time you enter a wrong relationship, you slow down this packaging process. <laughs> the Lord says, His process will be expedited when you are alone with me. That's what the Lord says. He says, when you are alone with me, His packaging process will be expedited. But every time you go into another relationship with another man, you slow down His packaging process. So He says, give me a little time. Just take text, invest time with me. He said, the more you invest time with me, the more you speak of his packaging process. Now, hear me very well. The other fact is that you are actually, at this point, more mature than him spiritually, psychologically, and all around you. Yeah. I get what I'm saying. You are more mature than him. Um, um, um. In fact, age-wise, you are even more mature than him. And, uh, but the Lord will have me tell you that he's still the one for you. And the Lord says, I want to groom him so that he will be more mature than you. He says, so you need time to do that. And he says, if you can spend time with me, then your attention is removed from every other day. And then that will give freedom for me to do the quick work in him. With that, I will prepare you and I will bring you your way. When he comes your way, you will know. But he says, invest time with me. Says the spirit of the Lord. Says the spirit of the Lord. But everybody who has experienced a heartbreak, the, 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 the heart of Jesus, the, the blood that flows out of his heart and the water that flows out of his heart is healing your heart now in the name of Jesus. Your heart is receiving holiness and healing in the name of Jesus. But if you want to personally sick in their body, how you want Jesus to heal you. Now, just leave your feet and let me pray with you in the name of because I cause sicknesses and diseases. I cause infirmities. I, I cast that spirit of infirmities in the name of Jesus. And you bring boldness in bodies, in minds, in souls, in the name of Jesus. Be healed in Jesus' name. Jesus is the sweetest name. We believe that you were blessed by this teaching. To listen to more teachings by Pastor Chimdi Ohahuna, please visit Grace Life Kami Podcast today. Send us an email via ministry at gmail.com. For more information about the ministry, kindly visit our website, ministry.org. Grace to you. Jesus is Lord.